The next time you're on Interstate 80, stop in and see the folks at the Iowa 80 Truck Stop at Exit 284 in Walcott, Iowa. They're always open and ready to serve you. Enjoy a sit-down meal at the Iowa 80 Kitchen or grab a bite from one of their nine quick-serve restaurants. You'll love their clean restrooms, huge gift store, beautiful convenience store, and, of course, the Super Truck Showroom stocked with plenty of chrome, lights, and more. While you're there, don't forget to visit the Iowa 80 Trucking Museum next door. It's free. The entire team at the Iowa 80 is very excited to celebrate 60 years with you. They look forward to being your home away from home for another 60 years. Sending you a giant thank you from Iowa 80, the world's largest truck stop on I-80, exit 284 in Walcott, Iowa. Iowa 80. It's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. All across America and around the world, we are Red Eye Radio. 86690 Red Eye. He's Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara. Ready for this? What do you got? A Biden administration rule is set to take effect that will force good credit home buyers to pay more for their mortgages to subsidize loans for high-risk borrowers. You heard me right. Here we go again. The Biden administration rule set to take effect uh, May 1st that will force good credit home buyers to pay more for their mortgages to subsidize loans for high-risk borrowers, experts believe that borrow- borrowers, this is where it will start, apparently, uh, experts believe that borrowers with a credit score of about 680 would pay $40 more per month on a $400,000 mortgage under the rules from the Federal Housing Finance Agency that go into effect on May 1st. Costs that will help subsidize people with lower credit ratings also looking for a mortgage, according to the Washington Times report on Tuesday. Said Ian Wright, a senior loan officer at Bay Equity Home Loans, told the Times, the changes do not make sense. Penalizing borrowers with larger down payments and good credit scores will not go over well. It overcomplicates things for consumers during a process that can already feel overwhelming with the amount of paperwork jargon, and more. Confusing the borrower is never a good thing. The Federal Housing Finance Agency, which oversees federally-backed home mortgage companies like Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, has long sought to give consumers more affordable housing options, but those who work in the industry believe the new rules will only serve to frustrate and confuse people. Said David Stevens, former commissioner of the Federal Housing Administration, during the Obama administration, wrote in a social media post responding to the new rules, this confusing approach won't work and, more importantly, could not come at a worse time for an industry struggling to get back on its feet after these past 12 months. To do this at the onset of the spring market is almost offensive to the market, consumers, and lenders. 
The rules come as the housing uh, market has struggled in the wake of multiple interest rate increases by the Federal Reserve. Under the new rules, consumers with lower credit ratings and less money for a down payment would qualify for better mortgage rates than otherwise they would have. The Federal Housing Finance Agency director said the new rules are designed to increase pricing support for purchase borrowers limited by income or by wealth and comes with minimal fee changes. Well, feed the fee changes up go to the people that aren't taking out that loan. Right. While Stevens agreed that there was a gap and opportunity for low income, especially minority borrowers, to qualify for affordable homes, he argued that attempting to manipulate prices was not the solution. Why was this done? The answer is simple. It was to try to narrow the gap in access to credit, especially for minority home buyers who often have lower down payments and lower credit scores. The uh, the gap in home ownership opportunity is real. America is facing a severe shortage of affordable homes for sales combined with excessive demand causing an imbalance. But convoluting pricing and credit is not the way to solve the problem. By the way, the whole mortgage crisis was done for the same reason. No, that was the idea. And now, and all you did was get people that had poor credit scores, and uh, you know, and you know, that could not afford to buy a home at that moment. Yeah, probably destroyed their chance for decades not to home own a home because they could never make the payments to begin with. And and that's it because a foreclosure on your on your uh, credit history is is going to be there for a long long time um you know and but this is where we started and you and i've been talking about this for years you go back to the housing crisis and and what a lot of the um hollywood left and leftist media left out of the equation is the very simple idea of fanny and freddie being involved take them out of the picture fanny and freddie and we wouldn't have had what we had. What we had was regulators basically going to the banks saying, you need to be lending to people of the lower income. Well, we can do that. We, we charge them a higher rate, but we can do that. Well, no, no, no. You don't charge them a higher rate. What we'll do is we'll have Fannie and Freddie come in and buy up these loans. We'll bundle them. You're basically giving the implied backing. It was the backing of the U.S. government. And that's how we'll do it. In fact, we'll make it so that if you don't have a minimum number of these types of loans, what became the subprime loan, on your books, then we're going to scrutinize you in a different way when it comes to any other regulatory requests, when it comes to mergers and everything else. So basically punking the banks into and forcing the banks into that and the banks did what they were going to do. Of course, when you tell the investment community that, hey, man, the U.S. government's got your back, write up these loans as, as, as quickly as you can, as many as you can. 2003, Treasury Secretary Snow, before Congress, including Barney Frank on that committee, who led that committee at the time. Fannie and Freddie cannot sustain. We can't keep doing this. Barney Frank and the Democrats Nope. The problem is we're not doing enough of it. 
So they ramped it up to the nth degree. Well, here's here's the problem, though. In this case, what they're saying is, we, you know, you can't you can't afford the interest rates because of you know this. Think about this because of the policies of the Biden administration, which caused, as we know, was what put it over the top. The inflation we see today mm-hmm. that came from Obama economists. Yes, it didn't come from the right. That came from the Obama economist had warned it was going to happen. So now you have these high interest rates, and the Biden administration says, okay, this means lower-income people with lower credit scores can't afford a house. Right. So we're going to make it so we can lower the interest rate for them, but people with higher incomes and a better credit score or just a better better credit score, uh, they will have to pay more for their mortgage to make up for what the – Whoever it is, Fannie or Freddie, you know, going into this loan, it'll make it where, all right, you know, we will cover at least the, the you know, we'll, I'll, I have to cover my my mortgage and I've got to cover and my interest payments on the mortgage. I also have to cover the interest payments of somebody else's mortgage. Yeah. But it doesn't at all change the fact that these are still risky loans. Yes. Right. It doesn't change that factor uh, at all. And so it isn't going to go over well when you look. And here's the other question I have. How can they do that? How can an eight, because that's a pseudo tax. That's redistribution of income. And that's a pseudo government agency. In essence, taxing you if you wish to get a mortgage. Yeah. If Congress hasn't approved, only Congress can raise funds. Now, right. and and if it's FHA doing it, I mean these are these these are organizations that can do it because they are government organizations. How can a government organization create a policy that will cause your mortgage to go up in the free market? To pay for somebody else's mortgage. Has anybody looked into the constitutionality of that? Because I've never seen anything like this. What's the constitutionality? That would be my first question. Or my second question would be, what am I missing here that would give them the authority? I'm assuming this will be challenged legally in courts. Um, that was my That was my first thought. Because if Congress wanted to go in and 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 uh, impose a new fee or tax based on the behavior of, of taking out a mortgage, but here's here's the thing: it is for individuals based on their credit score. As far as I know, it's not based on your income level it's not based on yeah, anything but yeah. your your credit score so far in, in what i know about this right that's what we have seen so and far, so right. credit scores fluctuate all the time they can change drastically in a matter of months the point being is that uh you're essentially and and this is the case i mean it's kind of stating the obvious picking the winners and losers or actually you're picking on the winners to benefit the losers and that's exactly 
the entire process. Well, or you've, you're punishing the people that have done things right. Yeah. You're picking on the people who have gone through what they've gone through to build their credit in order to subsidize the people for whatever reason don't have good credit. Yeah, when I had no money, I still had a good credit rating because I always paid my bills. Yeah. When I had nothing, when I lived in the, as I've talked about before, the mm-hmm. the uh, place I lived in, I eventually had to move out when the cockroaches got to the freezer mm-hmm. and the fire ants started coming through the floorboard. Mm-hmm. But I still had a good credit rating because I still paid my bills. All my bills were paid. Number one rule. Yeah. So you can have a good credit rating. I guess my point is not <clears throat> to have any pity towards me. <laughs> mm-hmm. I wasn't looking for that. It's just the fact that there are a lot of people out there that are, you know, they're living week to week, but paying their bills first mm-hmm. and saving, putting their nickels and dimes working away. Working extra jobs. Working extra jobs, right, to, to put a down payment on yep. Yep. their home, and they have a good credit rating. Yep. And now because they've done things right, they have to potentially pay more for their mortgage mm-hmm. to pay for somebody who might be in their situation but didn't do the same things these people did, which people would view as moral. I took another job. I never was late on a bill. I wanted to keep the credit rating up. And yep. so I could get, you know, that we could, you know, buy a house. We did everything right, and I can hear it. We did everything right, and now we have to pay for the people that didn't do things right. Well, and that's it. In the free market, they have a process for this, and the underwriters will scrutinize on a mortgage to no end. If you have whatever mark on your credit history, whatever question they have, gosh, if you take out a P.O. box separate from your physical address, you're going to have to sign some paper to show that's not another physical address. I don't own another property. When you have other investments, you have to explain everything. But in a situation like this, the government comes in and Nobody has to explain why or, or, or demonstrate that the people with the good credit did it because, uh, have it because they worked and did this. And the people with the bad credit have it because they made these choices. You know, when I, I did, uh, when I got a, uh, uh, the year before I got a mortgage, I opened up an online savings account mm-hmm. because they were paying, this goes back, you know, uh, 17 years ago. Mm-hmm. And I just, I was like, okay, and the online savings account was pretty good. So I opened up an online savings account and put, I can't remember how much I put in there. Well, months later when I applied for the mortgage, it was approved. And they came back and said, well, wait a minute, we have more questions. Mm -hmm. What was this transfer of money 13 months ago? Where did that come from? Right. They actually asked me, they wanted to make sure that was my money Mm -hmm. because that was a part in determining. Yeah, because you can't borrow for the down payment. Exactly. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, unless it's a commercial loan, which is comes with greater risk, and I don't know why that is the case, but it's the rules that they set up. But the the point is, the private sector has rules and has a way of vetting people, individuals, and you do pay higher if you've got a lower credit rating. You're just going to pay more to borrow that money. That's the way it's always been, and you've got to work harder to fix your credit rating to establish good credit. 
so that in the future you don't have to pay those higher interest rates. But when the government steps in, nope. If you've been doing everything right and working to maybe fix your credit, taking on another job, doing everything. You actually have to pay a higher interest you're rate. You're going to pay more. It's not going to go over well. No, it isn't. 86690-RED-EYE. Two new grant programs announced Wednesday will aid in expanding independent and local meat and poultry processing facilities and, in turn, increase supply chain resiliency. It's for two programs, the Indigenous Animal Harvesting and Meat Processing Capacity Grant Program, as well as the Local Meat Capacity Grant Program. Agriculture Undersecretary for Marketing and Regulatory Programs Jenny Moffitt says a total of up to $125 million is available through the two programs. And there are two components within the Local Meat Capacity Grant Program. One is processing expansion projects. This will fund grants to increase the processing capacity for privately held facilities. And then the other will be a simplified application project for equipment only. Applications for these grants are due July 19th, with more information available online at www.usda.gov meet. I'm Rod Bain reporting for the U.S. Department of Agriculture in Washington, D.C. This report is made possible by Cenex Roadmaster XL Premium Diesel and Sitco Lubricants. Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio. And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed. Brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just something I've noticed. Bargain hunting is back. I mean, bargain hunting's always been around. We always love a great deal. But man, everywhere you look, people are bargain hunting. You know, there's so many great ways to find great deals. Hey, I have a great find in your bargain hunting journey. Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price that's a real bargain when you use the code CPREDEYE. That's the letters CP Red Eye, all one word, for 15% off your stay at motel6.com. That is a bargain. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Curley, and I'm Gary McNamara, 866-90-RED-EYE. Well, it looks like... uh, the Oakland A's will eventually leave Oakland as uh, the baseball team as they've signed a binding agreement to purchase land near the Las Vegas Strip where they intend to construct a major league ballpark, the team president said. This is just a couple of days after the fans announced that they were going to have a, a, what do they call it, a, a reverse boycott. Mm-hmm. They were going to fill their last in the <clears throat> major league baseball in attendance. Right. They're going to yeah. have a reverse boycott 
filled the stadium to show Major League Baseball that we're not the problem. Hmm. I mean, I just wow. I haven't been paying attention, and I just looked at their record. They're three and sixteen. So ouch. <laughs> and uh, you know the stadium they play in. I mean, the Coliseum is just. I mean, it's, it's yeah. So it's it's yeah. it's just it's just so ancient. So the president of the, the A's told the Las Vegas Review that they going to build a one point five billion. 35,000-seat stadium, that's it, with a partially retractable roof, Hmm. would be built on the site. All right. You have to have a retractable roof. Partially, I guess, means you would just have just a little bit of it would open. But, I mean, it's still completely closed for for air conditioning. Right, right. I guess going to Rangers games here is a lot better. I've been to one since they built. Oh, the, at the new place. No, I have a retractable been roof, yeah, roof. You yeah. know, so but that was one of the major complaints. You go in July and August, especially in Texas, we have humidity that Las Vegas doesn't have. But still, Las Vegas get up to you know 112 degrees. Yeah, but it's a dry. It's 112 degrees. <laughs> it's like the the afternoon games. Yeah, you know, here that they had at the old stadium. It's just like it's a Saturday afternoon and yeah. it's 102. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> People are cooking hot dogs on the sidewalk. Yeah, it's. I, I went to a range. Of, this is the old old stadium. Yeah, uh, when I lived in Marshall, Texas, in the eighties, and I went with mm. my uh, my news director. Yeah, and uh, we're you know we drove all the way in from Marshall, Texas, about mm. hundred and seventy miles. Mm. Horse and buggy. No, we actually oh. drove, we had cars back in the eighties. Ah, this uh, was the nineteen eighties. Oh, okay. And, and uh, you know, he was a little overweight, whatever. I mean, a little heavy, smoked and did things like that. He wasn't mm-hmm. the healthiest person. He went to get a beer, never came back. What? Police came to, the police came and said he passed out. Oh, wow. Total dehydration. Oh, so wow. we never really saw the game. Oh. I got him back in the car, We and we drove back and made sure he had plenty of water. Yeah. So I, we never got to see the game. Well... to Red Eye Radio from the Uniden America Studios. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carlin. I'm Gary McNamara. 86690 uh, Red Eye. You want to hear something? This is going to be. This is our audio cut of the day, and I wish it wasn't. But uh, this is uh, 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 Fox News and Representative James Comer on Fox News talking about the committee uh, House Committee uh, hearings yesterday on investigating the Afghanistan withdrawal, and they had the Inspector General on there for. Uh, uh, Afghanistan, you know, whatever, reconstruction, whatever. Mm-hmm. And he said he can't guarantee that the money isn't going right to the Taliban. This is uh, Comer talking about it on Fox News yesterday. Well, we're trying to make it known to the American people that this is the least transparent administration in the history yeah. of of our, our country. This administration continues to waste taxpayer dollars to the tunes of hundreds of billions of dollars. I don't think very many Americans realize we've spent $8 billion in Afghanistan this year. And what we learned from the hearing today is the special uh, inspector general for Afghan reconstruction, he cannot guarantee that 100% of that did not go to the Taliban. He does doesn't know where a penny of that went. They see no signs of any of the money going to people in need. 
they fear it's all going to the Taliban. And the fact that this administration, whether it be the Department of Defense, the Department of State or the White House, continues to block the inspector generals from having access to where the taxpayer dollars are being spent says a lot. It says it probably is going to the Taliban. So, you know, how many mistakes can one administration make on the foreign policy front? I think we're about to find out with Joe Biden. It was really amazing in in the moment where the inspector, they, they go, anybody have any problems with it? And he's like, right here, me, right here. Yeah. I'll have, well, when can you have all the information and the names of who's not cooperating, what you need. I'll have them to you in 24 hours, but I can't get any cooperation whatsoever. I'm the inspector general, and I can't get it. And that's, you know, they're supposed to open up for him, and they're like, nope, they won't give me anything. It was really fat. And to see this guy just raise his hand go, nope, I can't get anything. I just, it was like total frustration. I've never seen that from an inspector general. I've never, I've never seen heard that. of that. I've never seen that type of reaction that I saw yesterday it was like, I can't get any, I cannot get any cooperation whatsoever to find out where this money's uh, uh, going. The other thing is, and this was also uh, Senator Ron, uh, Roger Marshall on Fox discussing a report on the origins of the coronavirus released by Senate Republicans. And he stated that he believes 95% now of the evidence, and we brought up that number yesterday, 95% of the evidence points to a lab leak. And the preponderance of evidence demonstrates that there have been multiple lab leaks. He said it is a bombshell that the preponderance of evidence shows that there were two lab leaks. The first one occurring probably somewhere around September time frame in a, in a, a Wuhan laboratory. An unintentional lab leak sometime in September of uh, 2019. The Chinese then began vaccine research. And we think that this is when the epidemic which became a pandemic, actually exploded. Most likely they were developing this vaccine in a laboratory in Wuhan University working on primates. We think that's when some type of aerosol was accidentally released from that laboratory or a lab worker walked out uh, of that with this very, very contagious, uh, contagious virus. He added, I think if we had a scale in front of us, and we put all the evidence on one side that supports a natural spillover. Uh, the other, the lab origin on this, I think 95% of the evidence is on the lab origin. Mm-hmm. And still, you have no interest in this administration to truly find out the origins of coronavirus. Nope. No. And, and how is that not the case? How is it that they're not trying to be the heroes in this. Why wouldn't you want to be the heroes uh, well, to get to the bottom of how all this began? There can o- I think I think there can only be one reason. And that would be US taxpayer dollars involved in all of this. There you go. I mean is there you follow the money trail on it and and who would be responsible for the American support of of uh, of all of this. And and, and, and aside from and, that, I I don't think that they're overly concerned of another uh, similar type of uh, pandemic. The other thing is... Because it gave them so much power. Well, here's the other thing, too. Here's what I wondered. If they now believe that this was in response to the initial lab leak that caused the problem and that they were trying to find a vaccine, and that's where the lab leak came from, the vaccine, 
than did the National Institutes of Health know about this? Because that's a whole different story that we've heard now. The whole different story is that there was a first lab leak in September of you know of 2019 or of, of 2019, and then <clears throat> you had the the other lab leak that was a result of attempting to come up with a vaccine because people were getting sick in China. Yeah. That's right. what the thought process is. Right. Well, you're telling me the NIH, if American taxpayer dollars, did the NIH know about this? That would be fascinating. I, that would be very telling, too. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> well, you know. And, and in my opinion, somebody would be in deep trouble if that was. The, well, yeah, a list of w- somebody's. Would be in huge trouble if that was true. Well, because it's reminiscent of the the whole thing with. Uh, the Mueller investigation that we said from the beginning that if he doesn't go back to the beginning and the origins and the basis of uh, the the warrants and everything else, the secret warrant, if they don't go back to the beginning, then clearly it's because they there are a number of things they don't wish to expose, including Mueller's time at the FBI. So then... You apply that same kind of behavior here. Well, why wouldn't you want to learn the truth? Why wouldn't you want to learn the truth? Well, because it opens up a Pandora's box. Mm-hmm. That you were involved in. That you were directly involved in. And I don't know how else uh, how else to look at that. I, I don't. Because well, tell me why, why else? There is no other reason. Because you know that that investigation is going to bring the sh- bring the light and shine it right on you at some point, right? Because for your responsibility in part of this. Because just if you're, and this is the thing: is uh, this has never been about politics. It's about curiosity. In yeah. order to prevent it from happening again, you want to learn. You want to learn from it, and so the last thing we were thinking of is politics. And it's like, well, wait a minute. Why aren't they pressuring? Look, we need, look, we need to talk to to the Chinese president. We need to know. Look, you need to. We we can't let this happen again. Hmm. You don't. You don't even. You didn't even initially have to be accusatory. You could right. be coming from the the point of reason. Yeah, we're discussing with the Chinese because we need to know so we can stop this so it doesn't happen again. Right. But you never had that. You never had that from Democrats, and you have why. Why has there never been any interest in knowing it? And I know you may say, well, come on, guys, aren't you sort of entering towards conspiracy theories? That's what happens when government isn't transparent. Right. You start, and by the way, it's not conspiracy theories to ask questions. We're not, again, we're, we're saying, speculating what we think might have happened Based on the fact of what we're now finding out, you know, the Republicans have found out because that would be the case. That would be, you know, we're simply saying, okay, here's some dots out there now. They, you know, now there's a belief there are two lab leaks. One lab leak actually caused the virus to spread. The second one came from attempting to create a vaccine for the first virus. Well, if that's the case... Notice we said, if that's the case, then why did the United States know about it? If United States dollars were involved in financing those labs, did anybody in the NIH know about it? Right. 
That would be my next question. Because why would you want to hide it? You're only going to hide it. And even if that particular scenario isn't true, still you would wish to hide anything that might come out of this, that it, it can't be the lab leak theory because you were responsible for American taxpayer dollars to finance it for gain-of-function research. Right. And that's what it comes down to. Whether this new scenario is true or not, even if it's just the one that it was one lab leak, Uh, still the question the 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 question or the motivation remains the same why you wouldn't want anybody to know why you're going to say it came from natural because you don't want the american public to know that you authorized us taxpayer dollars to be used for the 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 experimentation of gain of function research that caused covid yeah look it's the only reason you would want to block the investigation and block the answers yeah and change whatever information you do have and honestly with the hunter laptop thing with the russian hoax with all of these massive 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 efforts if you think about how many people it required all of that because, you know, the, inevitably the question, oh, come on, guys. Really? Well, look at what we know already about the Hunter laptop thing. Look at what we know about the Russian hoax thing. They absolutely don't care if this happens again. And they absolutely know the truth as to how it happened. Why would you want to stop an investigation? Why? Why would you want to censor it? I don't know why, why, why you would want to why change would you that want, at all. Why would you want a media blackout? And, and, and on all topics, when we talk about all topics, mm-hmm. who is the, who, what is the political philosophy that says, I don't want to shut up the other side who disagrees with me? Where does that come from? The conservative side. Yeah. I want them to promote exactly what they believe. Yep. yep. Because, because number one, you have freedom of speech in the United States, plus number two, I know how they think. Well, I don't know how they think. I know the, th- I know the solutions that the, I, I don't think anybody can figure out how they think. <laughs> But I know that the when they come out with the analysis, most likely it's not based on truth or science. No. And so I wish to debate it. So I would never want. And so conservatives view it that even if the other side is full of disinformation, I don't want to shut them up. I wish to confront them on it. Yep. And from the Democrats, it's no, the other side is full of disinformation and we can't have that because too many people will be harmed. And then you realize that the some of the biggest things that they call disinformation that they wanted censored was not disinformation but it was actually the truth yeah so you find the people that are screaming the loudest to censor because of disinformation are the ones that are peddling the biggest lies it it, it makes you wonder how deep it goes yeah you're talking about a global pandemic It's not just the U.S. It was everybody, literally everybody in the world. 
that was directly or indirectly affected by it. 86690-RED-EYE. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll free at 866-90-RED-EYE. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carlin. I'm Gary McNamara, 866-90-RED-EYE. be interesting to see how uh, what uh, blows up today uh, after that uh, whistleblower uh, mm. information came forward yesterday. Yeah. Just reading here, lawmakers are responding. The congressional outcries come as a whistleblower within the Internal Revenue Service alleges an investigation into Hunter Biden is being mishandled by the Biden administration. That there's basically obstruction of justice going on uh, here. That You remember the FBI, CBS reported the FBI said there's enough evidence for tax crimes last year and nothing has happened. Nothing. Right. And his claim is it's being held up inside the Department of Justice. This is CBS reporting that it's about Hunter Biden, that it's being held up, and the accus- one of the accusations from the whistleblower's lawyer, we don't know who the whistleblower is yet, is that uh, a appointee lied before Congress. CBS is reporting that's Attorney General Merrick Garland. That's huge news. Yeah. You know, because remember, that's right. CBS is the one that's announcing. They are the one that got the sources that say it's Merrick Garland who this, uh, uh, I guess, criminal IRS investigator says lied before Congress and that they're actually trying to hold up, you know, and, and not prosecute uh, Hunter Biden, even though they know, you know, that there's enough evidence to do it. Duh, of course there is, especially on you know, on uh, income tax uh, evasion. Right. And then at that particular point, though, that's where everybody starts connecting the dots. Where did the money go? Where did the money go here? Where the money goes here? And I think everybody in this, inside the Democratic Party is afraid to see where those dots go to. Well, and the whistleblower takes it up, basically brings it current to the investigation part of it from the IRS standpoint. And it's like, all right, if that's true, what's going on here, that they're blocking this at every every chance they get, then that adds to this massive, massive story. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was a three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord. We get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? Can you pay me more? Jeff Smith teaches on the sliding scale. (laughs) Those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.